We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast for week two. I am Scott Jensta, joined again tonight by Derek Van Riper. If you could please rate and review the podcast, we greatly appreciate that. You can find us on the Rotowire football podcast and the DFS podcast. If you enjoy us, if you could listen, uh, give us a, a positive review, leave some good stars, we would greatly appreciate that. It means a lot for the podcast going forward. Uh, Derek, uh, week one was pretty wild. Uh, you know, 18 more offensive touchdowns than week one last year. Uh, you know, we always say, you know, football starts out weird, but I felt like this was a kind of an offensive bonanza out right off the bat. Yeah. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick being the, the <laughs> highest scoring player of the week was exactly how we drew it up. I think, uh, we kind of ignored him completely. I think if we did bring him up last week, it was maybe there's some garbage time production there, but kudos to anybody who threw him out there in a tournament. I mean, if you were bold enough to throw Mike Evans out there, we talked about the struggles that Marshawn uh, Lattimore has presented to him in previous matchups. And uh, they had a huge day and wrecked some people in survivor along the way too. Yeah, I was, uh, I was one of those. It was such a wild week that, uh, you know, that I, I had a big weekend two weekends ago or two years ago when I finished second in the Sunday million, uh, I had more points this week on one of my FanDuel teams and I finished at 9,000th. Oof. Yeah, that just goes to show, though, every week is a little bit different like that. And, you know, I think with the, the bigger slates, especially, you know, before you get to bye weeks, I think you're going to have some of your your crazy high combinations that are possible. Yeah, when you have a you have a running back put up almost 200 combined yards and he's 5000 on Fandle, kind of the, the James Conner effect kind of opened up a lot of stuff for people. It did. And I think it creates some fun debates for this week. You know, like, where do we go from here? How much of that was? Uh, poor weather conditions, how much of that was game script, how much of that was the Steelers trying to show 
Le'Veon Bell, that they really don't need him, uh, you know, just, just being kind of spiteful. Uh, I think that's going to be the, the big question we have to answer with Connor is, you know, how much do we expect uh, that workload to continue in the weeks ahead? Or uh, is it going to be a, a timeshare at, at some point in the not-so-distant future? They get the Chiefs, though, so I imagine with that being the highest-scoring game of the week based on the over-under, the implied totals, everybody's going to want to go back to the well, at least in cash games on James Conner for another week. Yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts on that game, and we'll, we'll save them until we get to that game. But uh, the other guy, you know, Alvin Kamara, uh, you know, th- there's a, there was a ton of James Conner, Alvin Kamara teams. It's funny, we talk about high percentage and chalk and all that. I tell you what, this is one of those weeks where, you know, just kind of going with the obvious plays made a lot of sense. I mean, Kamara and Conner both went crazy. And the weird thing with Kamara is, is like, you could look at the same situation this week that we saw a week ago. The Saints are home favorites, nearly 10 points. You could look at the game script and, and try to talk yourself out of him just based on, hey, they want to back off him if they have a big lead. But I, I think we'd look at the Saints defense after what happened last week and say, maybe they're not the team they were in 2017 on that side of the ball. And if they're going to put up 28, 30, 32 points, whatever it ends up being, Kamara is going to be a big part of that. Like there, There's no way around that. He is a focal point in that offense right now. So you got to pay the premium to get him, but it, it may not be a bad idea, especially if the Browns find a way to keep pace with that Saints offense. Yeah, and you know, weird games happen. I mean, you know, it's Tampa Bay scoring 48, but I watched a lot of that game, and those were the easiest 48 points I think I've ever seen. I mean, they were, every guy was three steps open on passes. Deshaun Jackson was 15 steps open on his long touchdown, but every play over the middle, every play down the side, I mean, guys were wide open. It wasn't like Fitzpatrick was dropping dimes to guys that were covered or there were some broken tackles. I mean, these are guys that were running free in the secondary. I couldn't believe how easy the offense was for Tampa Bay. This was not a, this is not a, you know, fluky, uh, you know, couple of uh, weird touchdowns or some tip balls. I mean, these are guys that were legit wide open all day long. Yeah. It, it just looked like a, a vintage saints defense performance and all did. the highlights I watched where you're just like, why, why is the coverage this bad? Why are, why are guys this <laughs> open? And, you know, Greg Williams is in Cleveland, so it's not Greg Williams anymore. But uh, I was really surprised just at how porous the defense was. Even if they were to lose the game last week against Tampa Bay, I would have thought, you know, okay, 27-24, something kind of close. Late field goal maybe for the win, but it seemed like Tampa Bay just handled them. They did. I mean, uh, Fitzpatrick looked good, but I mean, he was throwing to guys that any NFL quarterback makes those throws. The other thing stuck out to me, and what's really tough in DFS, what we'll try and tackle is, you know, trying to figure out those mid-range receivers. Getting those guys that really go off is kind of a key. I mean, we last week we had a lot of guys that stuck out. Kenny Stills had two touchdowns. Emmanuel Sanders had a big game. He was mid-priced. Philip Dorsett in New England had a touchdown and seven targets, seven catches. Uh, Brendan Marshall, kind of back from the dead, had a touchdown. Almost a second one that was called back on offensive PI. It's it's those middle-range receivers that seem to really separate teams uh, when you when you look at tournaments. Yeah, and I think what you want to look at as we head into week two are guys you had pretty high expectations for in that mid-tier that kind of fell flat for one reason or another. Uh, if you liked Chris Hogan going into week one, he <laughs> would ordinarily be the kind of guy that you'd like in week two, maybe because he gets Jalen Ramsey. That changes things a little bit. But I think that's that's one of the primary week two approaches you can take is just going after anybody that you liked a week ago who fell flat on their face in the opener for one reason or another. I know you pointed out that Travis Kelsey's had some pretty bad games against the Chargers over the years, and on a day where the Chiefs offense was extremely productive, he was barely involved. Like He's another guy that I'd yep. go right back to the well on this week uh, simply because I think that was just an outlier, and you know, there may be some reasons to expect it based on that past history, but I think people are – going to be crazy if they're steering away from Travis Kelsey this week because he was so quiet in the opener. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that you own a week two, you kind of just forget a lot of the week one stuff. I mean, stuff that's material and it's changed, sure, you got to look at that. But, you know, if you like someone week one, like you said, I think you go into week two. The, the other dif- disappointment I would ask you, I was going to ask you about Hogan, but you brought him up. Uh, what do you think about the Tennessee offense? You know, a lot of hype coming in, new offensive coordinator, new coach, uh, kind of changing their offense. Marcus Mariota, all the receivers, uh, you know, the the thunder and lightning with uh, with Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry. Uh, they fell flat. I watched a bunch of that game late just because they had the lightning and it was the only game left. But, you know, I thought they looked terrible. I was I was really surprised. I was hoping to see a little more. Maybe it's going to take a little bit of time to kind of adjust and get that offense going. But uh, I was not impressed by their by their offense. The only guy who looked good was Deion Lewis and he was the guy He's in their awesome. offense I was the most skeptical of not because yeah. you know I didn't believe in what he was doing in New England but I don't know I didn't believe or I don't believe that it translates perfectly into Tennessee's offense and it's weird that he ended up just being the guy that did what a lot of people expected whereas the rest the rest of the offense was atrocious you know losing Delaney Walker I think is going to be a big deal for them whether they yep. add uh, more th- like three receiver sets or what they're going to do to work around that. I think that's going to be kind of something to watch in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, Marcus Mariota had that elbow injury. They had to leave Lane Gabbert play. I think that made it a lot worse. And I, I guess Mariota fully practiced on Wednesday with no setbacks. So I'm willing to give them a pass, but this came up during the super flex auction last night. Some of the guys in the league were, were chatting about it. Maybe we're getting to that point where if we don't start to see it from Marcus Mariota this year, we just have to give up on him as a legitimate, you know, high upside mid tier quarterback. Yeah, that uh, that Marcus Mariota, uh, Jameis Winston draft uh, suddenly looks a lot different than we thought it would look. Yeah, it really does. And and if Mariota's in the CFL in two years and, and Chip Kelly's <laughs> calling the shots there and instead of in the Pac-12, then, you know, maybe Mariota will be awesome for, uh, you know, DFS, CFL or something. Wow, that's not a lot of faith in uh, Chip Kelly doing well at UCLA. No, nah, I mean, I, I think Chip's going to do fine at <laughs> UCLA ultimately, but uh as Mariota goes, I'm just happy he's healthy because I, I bought him in the Pentathlon Superflex auction last night. Wild auction, which we won't, we won't go into detail about that here. But uh, Mariota's exactly the kind of guy that, as you look for players who have bottomed out expectations going into week two already, he is on that yep. list for sure. I, I think he'll be extremely low-owned for tournament purposes. It's not an easy matchup. He's home against Houston, a defense that I actually like a decent amount. But if you believe in Marcus Mariota at all, he's a great GPP consideration. Yeah, agreed there. We'll jump into that game. Anybody else uh, from week one you want to talk about before we uh, start to hit this uh, big Sunday slate? I mean, Aaron Rodgers in the second half doped up on some painkillers throwing seeds on one leg is one of the more (laughs) ridiculous Aaron Rodgers things I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of of Rodgers uh, over the years where he's just exceeded expectations and and this was a case where the offense was sputtering so bad before he got hurt you know I mean throwing out the Deshaun Kaiser series uh, you know I'm looking at Rodgers and I'm I'm wondering how he did that and I'm wondering how badly he's he's still hurt I mean I think that that's actually a part of the conversation that hasn't really taken place yet and it might not be able to take place until we know more about what he's able to do over the course of the week. Yeah, it, everything I've read is sounds like he's pretty sore these first three games, but I think it's pretty sure he's going to play. But uh, going against Minnesota, I mean, I watched that Niners uh, Vikings game as being as a Niners fan, and that uh, that uh, that front four in Minnesota, they get after you pretty good. Yeah, they look nasty, and uh, I think we you know we were right to steer away from Garoppolo and, and most of the San Francisco offense in Week One, but they get a huge bounce back opportunity. You know, going back home and, and playing a Lions team on Monday night that looked horrendous. Ooh, they looked bad. 
It's the typical yeah, Belichick was, uh... coaching tree fallout, right? It, it just it never <laughs> it never works. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know if I'm willing to give it up, give up on it yet. But they uh, they didn't look ready. They looked bad. They uh, that was ugly. I mean, I was. Uh, you know, and they got a pick six to start the game too against uh, Sam Darnold. You know, you're like, all right, here we go. They're going to roll this game, and all of a sudden, what, 48 to 10 after that? And I mean, that's that's crazy. Yeah, had had no sense that, that was going to happen. Uh, I, I was <laughs> I was concerned about the Lions in so much as like my dad asked me about them as a survivor pick, and I was like, no, you you've, you <laughs> grew up a Lions fan. You were a Lions fan for 30 years. You you know better than to use the Lions at survivor <laughs> yeah. in week one. Um, so I hope he took my advice, but I also didn't, you know, I, I didn't actually think they would lose, let alone get blown out. Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely the, the biggest surprise of the weekend. But let's jump into uh, week two. First game on the slate. We've got uh, the Indianapolis Colts heading to Washington, Washington off an impressive win against the Cardinals. Uh, Redskins are favored by six over unders about uh, about a middle of the road one here. Forty five and a half starting on the Indy side. Uh, what do you what do you think uh, from seeing Andrew Luck fa- play for the first time in a year and a half? Thought he looked pretty good. I mean, there were a few yeah. mistakes sprinkled in, but generally he looked kind of like vintage luck. And right now you're getting him at a price on FanDuel 7,500. That's uh, a bit below what peak luck was going for. So I see it as a viable cash game play. I think tournament wise ownership won't be crazy high either. So I think he can play in both formats. And until the price on luck and, and T.Y. Hilton ticks up, I think they're going to be uh, a combo that you look at on a pretty frequent basis. Who else? Uh, what else do you think about this offense this week? Obviously, you know T.Y. Hilton may have some of that Josh Norman coverage. I always like uh, Hilton a little more at home or on turf. They're they're at Washington this game, so I'm a little off him just because uh, he's 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 usually a better home play. Uh, is there anybody in this offense that uh, you're thinking about uh, rostering on a bunch of teams? Mm, staying away from the running backs completely. If you're going to go yeah. away from Hilton, there's not really a second receiver I like, but I would be okay with paying up for. You know, Jack Doyle or Eric Ebron, maybe in, in tournaments. I, I'm still kind of curious, like week in and week out, if there's going to be consistency with how those two guys are used or if they're just going to drive us crazy uh, time and time again. But the prices are reasonable enough on both and tight ends kind of a dumpster fire. So I think Doyle and Ebron are, are in play for me, but I like them a little more in tournaments than in cash games. I was surprised when I looked that uh, Jack Doyle had 40 more snaps than Ebron did. So I, I wonder if is that just the blocking thing where Ebron's not going to be out there be, in blocking right? yeah. situations. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I sometimes think we get misled by snap counts for tight ends because sometimes they're out there and they have no intention of running anything that resembles a route. They're just there to help block. Yeah, he did have 10 targets, so he was pretty good on the offensive uh, side, too. I mean, I think that luck we saw a little bit, not quite throwing downfield as much as he uh, usually does, you know, probably trying to get back into a little rusty. Uh, you know, Doyle's kind of a nice underneath option for him. The other guy that I kind of like at 4,900 is Ryan Grant. Ryan Grant had nine targets week one. They really, they were really throwing the ball to him a lot. 4,900 is super cheap on FanDuel. Uh, he should avoid Josh Norman. I imagine Norman will cover uh, Hilton most of the time. Uh, if you're looking for a kind of a punt wide receiver, I think Ryan Grant at 4,900, especially in a tournament, uh, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that, that actually is pretty interesting logic. I, I like him a little more in a full PPR setting like DraftKings, but that price is low enough on FanDuel uh, where he would be in play if you're kind of buying the, the Hilton uh, getting shut down by Norman thing. I think Hilton's one of those guys, though, that when he matches up against a, a physical you know, top-end sort of corner, he's so fast that if you try to jam him off the line yeah. and you miss, he torches you for that big play, and it, just, it snowballs sometimes from there. So I'm a little less worried about Hilton going up against Norman than I would be, uh, you know, a, a, like a six-one guy that's like a 4 5 slower-off-the-line type receiver that 
you know, we'll see Norman match up with time and time again. So what about uh, the Washington offense? You know, we uh, we 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 weren't sure what we were going to get from Adrian Peterson, but he was he was used, uh, you know, to a huge degree. Twenty six carries, two catches. Um, you know, they were leading the whole game, so that helped. The game script was really nice. Uh, he he got that all in forty two snaps. So whenever he was in, he pretty much was touching the ball. But Chris Thompson also played thirty three snaps, had five ter- carries and seven targets. The two guys went uh, they went crazy. But I wonder if they're going to be kind of tough to time in in DFS. I think so. I think Chris Thompson's role is kind of similar to what we've seen for most of his time in Washington, where uh, some weeks he's going to break off those longer catches, he's going to find the end zone. Most weeks he won't. Uh, I think that keeps him often in the tournament consideration bucket as kind of a PPR sort of specialist, and that always steers me more towards a guy like Thompson when the price slips on DraftKings, and I often steer away from a player like that on FanDuel just because of the way he gains that production. I don't know what to make of Peterson. I just figured he was done. He didn't look all that good <laughs> last year. Uh, short of that debut with the Cardinals a year ago, they gave him the heavy workload, cranked out like 130-plus yards. I, I just thought more often than not, he just looked his age, and he, along with Frank Gore, made me look a little bit stupid in Week 1. Now, I, I don't think the Colts' defense is anything special, so I don't have any apprehension about using Peterson at 6,700. I don't know... I don't know if he makes the cut for me because I don't play usually more than three or four different lineups. So I think that's where he probably falls a little bit short. But there's nothing wrong with that play if it's one that you want to build around. What uh, What about the Washington pass offense? Anything here you like? Uh, Jordan Reed looked uh, looked pretty good, looked, looked pretty healthy. You know, he played less snaps than, than Vernon Davis, but another situation where, you know, he was involved in the passing offense whenever they were using him. He did got he did get four targets, caught a touchdown. Jordan Reed, 6,200, probably a little too expensive for uh, compared to the other uh, tight ends. You look at uh, Kelsey and Ertz, they aren't that much further away from Reed. I think there's just other guys in that range I like more. Yeah, I think so too. And I think the, the receivers might present a little bit of value. Uh, I'm not really into an Alex Smith stack situation, but if you want to get a discounted Jamison Crowder out there. He's only 4,900 on DraftKings. Like him a little bit more there because I look at him as more of a like a poor man's Jarvis Landry type in terms of how they use him. Uh, but at that price, I think you can sneak him in there against Indy and end up getting you know 12, maybe 15 points this week. Cool. Moving on to the uh, the next game, we got the Carolina Panthers headed to uh, the Mercedes Benz Dome to face the Falcons. Uh, Falcons are favored by five and a half over under is 44 and a half in this game, probably a little lower than anticipated based on, uh, you know, kind of how these teams played the first week. Um, what, uh, what do you think here? Let's start with the, start with the visitors, start with Carolina. Uh, the Atlanta D was good against Philly, but I tell you what, they lost, uh, they lost Deion Jones and Keanu Neal starting safety and a starting linebacker. They're both really good players. Uh, that's a brutal week one for the Atlanta defense. It is. I, I think it changes everything about your expectations for the Falcons until they, they prove otherwise with the guys that have to step in and, and fill those voids. Uh, Greg Olson is out of the picture for a few weeks, you know, re-injured the foot in week one. If this goes as expected, you think about the Falcons being nearly a touchdown favorite some places. The Panthers are throwing a lot. I think Christian McCaffrey gets a ton of work. Uh, I like to set up for him quite a bit. So McCaffrey is one of those guys that he's not priced up like an elite runner. We saw him get pushed up to the back of the first round in some NFFC drafts at the end of draft season. I think you're getting a nice little discount right now. Uh, cash game play for sure. GPPs, I think he's solid as well because the game script sets up that nicely if the Panthers are constantly playing catch-up. You know, we didn't see a lot of DJ Moore in Week 1. It just seems like this receiving core is really unsettled, and I think Cam's going to look to the easy short dump-off throws to McCaffrey on a regular basis. 
Yeah, I think he's going to be a high percentage player this week. 7,400 on FanDuel and even more so on DK where you get the uh, you get the point uh, per reception. But nine targets last week, 10 carries, super involved in the offense. He did fumble, which caused a little bit of problem. But my only worst issue with McCaffrey is they do seem to mix and match at the goal line. They do a lot of kind of read option and Cam runs it. Or usually they go to Olsen, but obviously he's not there anymore. Maybe, uh, you know, kind of big target in Devin Funches, who was a tight end in college. Uh, Funches was a guy last year that really came on the scene when Olsen was out. He's 6,000 on FanDuel. Atlanta cornerbacks are pretty good, though, so I'm not super huge on Funches this week. But I, I just wonder if he's going to be a target monster at a pretty reduced price right now. Yeah, six thousand on FanDuel is fair. Uh, Forty seven hundred on DraftKings. I, Oof, I like him. That's nice. I like him on DraftKings a lot because of the reduced price, and I still see more of like a tournament sort of play than a cash play because he, he's the kind of guy that can get eleven targets and still like catch four of them for thirty yards. Like it's really, yep. it's really weird. Like he should be more of a mismatch nightmare. Uh, than he has been to this point in his career. But he did flash some big playability at times last year. And uh, I think the key for him, of course, as you said, was the games where Olsen was out is when Funchess was at his best. And they don't really have anybody else stepping up right now. So I do see Funchess being a, a really nice tournament play at 4,700. Yeah, worth noting that Cam Newton uh, last year against the Falcons ran the ball well both games, but he he threw for 137 yards and no touchdowns in one and 180 and one touchdown the other. He really struggled struggled in the air against the Falcons last year. That changed a little bit without Deion Jones and Keanu Neal out, but uh, I think at 8,200, Cam's someone that I'm not going to play this week. Yeah, the price is up pretty high, and I think it makes sense to just run Funchess out there as a standalone or run McCaffrey out there as a standalone, but... Um, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say either is a, a must play McCaffrey close to that. I think in, in the full PPR settings over at DraftKings, Funches is just a guy that I like quite a bit for tournament purposes. Curtis Granderson just homered for your Brewers in the ninth, by the way. Excellent. <laughs> what about uh, the Falcons side of the ball? Uh, they played against the against the Eagles last week, and I was shocked by how unimpressive Matt Ryan was, and not from a stat aspect, not from anything like that. You know, it's week one. I don't I don't worry about that, but. I thought he threw a lot of balls that looked like – I don't know if his arm was hurt or if he was his arm wasn't there anymore. He threw a lot of balls that didn't look like Matt Ryan to me that kind of floated. He missed a lot of guys. I was a little concerned that something's up with his arm as I watched that uh, that opening night game on Thursday. Yeah, I think you're, uh, you're part of a crowd that believes that, and it, it's certainly a, a fair question to ask because he just did not look right. Uh, part of it, too, may have just been facing one of the league's best defenses. I mean, that, that could yeah. always – make things look a little bit uh, askew, and, and the prices are, are down. I mean, Matt Ryan's 5,700 on DraftKings. Uh, the setup is favorable. Carolina's defense, to me, is is pretty good or good, but not great, so not one that you fear. And I like the way they used Julio Jones last week. I mean, they went very oh, heavy yeah. at Julio. Clearly, Steve Sarkeesian values his job in a way where he knows his best chance of keeping it is to make Julio a target monster every single week, hopefully, and... Uh, even near the end of the game, we saw him get that target uh, in the red zone just to throw that happened to go out of bounds. So I, I'm kind of taking the wait and see with Ryan. I'm not going to avoid him entirely. Not going to pounce at the cheap discount everywhere. But I'm intrigued enough at the low price to think about it. And I think it's affordable, you know, on DraftKings especially. 5700 is not bad. You could pair him with Julio if you wanted to. I see a little more of a cash game play there than a GPP play there, though. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I think I'm gonna watch Ryan a week and kind of see what I see what I see, uh, you know, from him. Just because I didn't like how he looked week one. Interesting play for me. Obviously, Julio's, uh, you know, 8,500 on Fanduel, 19 targets last week. I think that uh, it goes without saying that you know Julio's pretty much a play every week. I, I worry more about the Carolina run D than I do at the pass D. I think that Julio will be fine. Um, you know, definitely a great play at 8,500 cash game or a tournament. I'm fine with him there. The interesting guy to me is Tevin Coleman. He's 5,900 on Fanduel. 
if 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 Devontae Freeman is limited, he came out early uh, of the game with the knee injury. He seems to be okay, but I always wonder. I always worry about knees, especially with a, a guy like that that had some knee issues last year. In PPR, I wonder if uh, full point PPR. I wonder if Tevin Coleman might be pretty interesting because he uh, he's definitely a weapon out of the backfield. If Freeman's limited, they may really unleash Coleman. His price is, is not adjusted for Freeman maybe being hurt. Exactly, and I think if if Freeman's active, that makes Coleman even more appealing from a, a tournament standpoint because it might steer some people away. But uh, I share your concern about Freeman. He had knee issues last year. It didn't practice on Wednesday. It's still early, and if he's back out there Friday, it probably means he's going to play. But they could easily back off him for week two or for the next couple of weeks, shift a little more of the workload to Coleman. Coleman being the cheaper of the two ends up being the better play as a result. So I'm definitely with you on Tevin Coleman. So next we move to uh, we move to your Packers. They uh, they are at home this week. They face the uh, face the Vikings, who are obviously a very very good team. It should be a really fun game. Uh, there aren't a lot of spreads out on this game. I did find one that uh, has the game listed currently as even right now as a pick 'em. Obviously, a ton depends on Rodgers and some news coming out the, this week. And the over-unders, uh, I've seen a 46 and a 47. Obviously, that line will move again based on uh, Rodgers' availability. But let's start with the Vikings side of the ball. I watched a lot of the Vikings game last week playing against my 49ers. Uh, I was impressed. I thought that uh, I thought they looked good. Started slow a little bit in the first half, but really kind of really put it together a little bit late. And I thought Kirk Cousins looked good. He dropped a perfect pass into Stephon Diggs. But the guy that I really like in this offense this week is Dalvin Cook, priced way down on Fandle. He's down to 6,500. He played a ton of snaps. He looked healthy. He played 57 snaps. Latavius Murray only played 14. So he was really involved in the game. Wasn't very effective. He was only 16 for 16 carries of 40 yards, but they have seven targets. But you look at last week, uh, you know, uh, Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen were 20 carries for 107 against the Packers. So they were able to run against Green Bay. Uh, I think at the price, Dalvin Cook's one of my favorite plays this week. Dalvin Cook was the first player I clicked in yesterday. <laughs> I started building up my lineups for week two. I saw that price on FanDuel, and I was like, I, okay, this is an easy 6,500 call. So because it was so obvious to me, maybe we have to think about fading in some tournaments or at least not having right. ridiculous exposure across all of your lineups. But, man, I think Dalvin Cook's going to run wild. I, he passed the eye test last week. The final stats were pretty good but not eye-popping and I know they went to Latavius Murray a lot late in that game but I think Dalvin Cook showed all the burst we saw from him before he tore that ACL uh, I like what you're, t- what you're mentioning here with the Packers actually struggling a bit against the run with the Bears I think the Vikings are going to come in with a very good game plan if Rodgers is compromised anyway could see this game getting a little bit ugly I'm kind of surprised that uh, I, I saw yeah 46 and a half over under and the Packers favored by one like that. I don't get that at all. I, I think Minnesota goes no. in and, and wins this game somewhat, somewhat easily. Like, I mean, I, I maybe I'm too much of a pessimist based on how well the Bears moved the ball in the first half of that game on Sunday night. But I think the Vikings are going to go in there and they're going to have no problem getting up and down the field against this Packers defense. So with that being said, do you have a preference among their receivers? Stephon Diggs is 7,400 on FanDuel. Thielen's 7,600. I think they're going to be you know, tough to figure out which one goes off each week. Uh, Thielen was uh, more effective last week. He had 12 targets, uh, six catches for 102 yards. But Diggs was the one, Diggs was the one to score the touchdown. Uh, I kind of like his matchup against Tremont Williams, who I think is like 35. Last week, Diggs saw a lot of uh, Richard Sherman, who looked pretty good. He burned him a couple times. He actually scored the touchdown on the other side of the field, not on Sherman's side. But uh, do you have a preference between the two uh, receivers? Anybody, any any edge between those two guys? I think it's Diggs just because he's a little bit cheaper. I mean, having that extra couple hundred bucks might make a difference, get you up on a, a better defense or a slightly better flex play or something at the end of your lineup. So 
Uh, I'm going Diggs. I, I don't think Tremont Williams is the guy we saw five years ago in Green Bay. I think there's plenty of, <laughs> of evidence to suggest that he has slowed down and that uh, an up-and-coming receiver like Diggs, who could be you know, a top-10 fantasy commodity by the end of this season, he could torch him in this matchup. So both are playable, but if I'm playing one, I'm playing Diggs. So on the Green Bay side, it's kind of hard to handicap it without knowing really uh, everything about Rodgers. I'm assuming he's going to play. He's Aaron Rodgers. He tends to get out there. But he's 8700 on FanDuel. He's going to be expensive everywhere. Um, you know, I love Rodgers. He's obviously awesome. He was fantastic last week in the comeback. But just not a price I'm going to pay for someone going against the Vikings defense, especially not 100% with the way that they rushed Garoppolo last week. Yeah, I mean, if he were healthy, I'd still be hesitant to yeah, pay up exactly. for him. So I think it's an easy avoid, uh, even though you'd probably get him at a crazy low ownership rate. It's not the kind of crazy low ownership rate that's a good one to chase this week, given the circumstances. An easy pass for me on Rodgers. Uh, with that, I'm probably not playing Devontae Adams, not really using the running backs. It's weird. Usually usually the Green Bay offense isn't one that I'm just uh, scratching off, but I think for the most part, it's an easy avoid. Yeah, that uh, that Minnesota defense is impressive. I think they were at. Uh, I think Garoppolo had, a, had pressure on 50% of his dropbacks, which is just a crazy high number. It was number one in the NFL last week. Yeah, it, it everything I saw in that game, it just seemed like he had guys getting in his face constantly. So uh, going on to the next game, uh, interesting game. We got the Chargers headed to Buffalo. Always, uh, always wonder with you know the West Coast team going east for the early ten a.m. game. Sometimes you get you get slow starts, but uh, Buffalo obviously looked horrendous last week. They got absolutely destroyed by Baltimore. Nate Peterman was just a mess out there. They're going to Josh Allen this week, so uh, you know we're gonna see uh, we're gonna see that for the first time. On the Chargers side, they scored 54 points against the Bills last year when they played, although the game was in L.A. Um, it's hard not to like it. people on this offense. Just wonder about game script. Only favored by 7.5, over-unders 43. But uh, Keenan Allen last year, 12 catches, 159 yards, and two touchdowns against the Bills. Uh, what are you going to do with the Chargers offense? Is there anybody that you're really attacking? Melvin Gordon's kind of expensive this week on FanDuel. He's 8,200. I, I could see it in cash games, but I think in tournaments, the ownership rate's going to be high because everyone's going to want to pick on the Bills after what happened last week against the Ravens. I, I mean, if you assume that the Chargers are going to put 25-plus points on the board, Keenan Allen's probably pretty heavily involved. You're not getting much of a discount there. I'd probably take a shot with one of the cheap receivers, Tyrell Williams or Mike Williams again. Uh, Mike Williams had the slightly better game last week. I, I could see the case for Tyrell, even though he's more expensive. I think that actually draws more people to Mike, that he's 400 bucks cheaper on FanDuel this week. So, yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like they should roll, and I almost wonder if like Austin Eckler in tournaments ends up being the, <laughs> the best play in this offense just because of the way I expect everyone to be pretty highly owned. Yeah, I looked a little closer at Mike Williams because uh, I, I like what I saw late in the game. But you look at his game log, and uh, they were behind, obviously. They're trying to catch up the Chiefs. He had zero targets in the first three quarters of the game. Then he had all six of his targets in the fourth quarter. So I wonder in a game when they're leading, I just wonder how much work he's going to get. So that that concerned me. He's only 3,700 on DK, so he's super appealing there. And you know he's a guy that I do like this year. But I, I was a little concerned when I looked at his game log and all his targets were in the fourth quarter when they were trying to catch up. Wow, I didn't realize it was all just stacked up late. I may have looked at live scoring on him once, saw a low score, but it was probably earlier in the first half, so I didn't realize it was so back-heavy. Yeah, crazy you mentioned Melvin Gordon. He led all running backs. He had 13 targets last week as they were coming back. Yeah, I mean, that was a, a great setup for him. Just Kansas City's going to be fun all year because they're going to create shootouts against a lot of teams. Oh, yeah. And we're going to see pass-catching backs get tons of work. Uh, so that's probably just tipping us off to some future values there. 
Interesting that Gordon's only 7,400 on DraftKings, so ownership rate will be through the roof there, given the way everyone expects this game to play out. Yeah, that could be a, a nice game script for him. What about uh, the Chargers defense? I think at 4,400 at FanDuel, I think they're going to be really popular. Obviously, no Joey Bosa again, although we got a pretty positive uh, report. But uh, 4,400 on FanDuel, I think everybody's going to pick on Buffalo after you know last week Baltimore really destroyed them. Uh, I kind of think that uh, maybe the Chargers defense, I think they'll be good, but I wonder if they're a little bit of a fade at a super high percentage. I think there might be some other spots that they go to to kind of stay away from the chalk there. Yeah, especially without Bosa. It takes a lot of the, the teeth out of the pass rush, so... I don't know. I mean, Josh Allen making his, his debut oh, yeah. first start is is definitely worth picking on. But instead of instead of having the Chargers as your only defense across five or ten lineups, try to get some exposure. If you're going to pay up, the, the Rams at home against Arizona could be extremely productive. I think the the Broncos defense at home against the uh, against the Raiders makes a lot of sense too. So there's a few different ways you can go. You don't necessarily have to lock in on the Chargers, and, and Bosa's absence is a big part of the reason why. Yeah, I, I agree there. I think that uh, I will have them on some spots, uh, but I think that uh, they won't be a, you know, a huge play for me just based on that. The Buffalo offense, they had 153 yards week one. I think I'm just punting on this offense for now. Um, LaShawn McCoy was game scripted out early. You know, He didn't do anything, and then they were so far behind, he just didn't really have a chance to do much. But uh, is there anybody in the Buffalo offense or even considering you know, even in a tournament-type play where you're looking for you know, kind of a low percentage thing? I just, I just don't see anything I'm going with here. No, and it's it's because of other players at each position that I just like better. I mean, Kelvin Benjamin's yeah. forty six hundred, but we're going to talk about a handful of other guys that are right around five k at the position that make a lot more sense. So, yeah, it's it's just such an ugly situation right now. I'd rather get a look and see if there's any signs of this offense becoming competent with Josh Allen at the helm, and then decide later. Because I, I don't think people are going to flock to this offense if they do put up a respectable performance this week. I think it's going to be a, a generally under-owned group throughout the season, even if they start getting better results. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's fair. I don't think any we need to jump on that offense. So I'm going to stay away for now. But uh, next game, we have the Houston Texans rolling into Nashville to or, to face the Titans. Uh, line just came out on this. Now that the uh, the Mariota news uh, came out that he's likely to play, Houston's fared by a point and a half. We have an over under of 45, so kind of a, a middling range there. Uh, on the Houston side, Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, definitely looked like it was his first game in a long time last week. Only a 5.2 YPA against the Patriots. He looked rusty. You know, he didn't look like the same guy we saw last year. Uh, are you concerned at all? Or you just think is that a first game back against Belichick game planning him and, and you're not concerned? I think it was Belichick having a lot of extra time and having seen it before. Yeah. And I hope that Watson ends up being pretty low owned this week because I think they can. They can have their way with Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee's defense isn't atrocious, at least it's not supposed to be, but Miami had enough success against them last week where I have no hesitation in going out there with like a, a Watson-Hopkins stack. It probably checks Love in it. as my favorite cash game stack, uh, much like the Chargers with Rivers and Allen were a week ago. I mean, Watson's 6,300 on DraftKings. Like, Oof, that's like really it. hard to stay away from in cash games. Yeah, I love uh, DeAndre Hopkins this week. 8,400 on Fando, so he's you know fully priced still up there, kind of off the uh, just the okay game. Like you said, they gave two touchdowns to Kenny Stills last week as a wide receiver one. Uh, in 2017 against the Titans, uh, DeAndre went for 10, a, a buck 07, and a touchdown, 8 and 80. He had 26 targets between the two games. Uh, I think they're going to get him going. I think they're going to feed him. Uh, I love Hopkins this week to have a really big day. Yeah, uh, I think he's among the, the best plays on the board at wide receiver. If you're going to pay up for one of those top options, often the case, but especially the case in this particular instance. What do you do with the running backs in this game? 
I mean, they're all pretty affordable. They're all under 7K. Lamar Miller, 6,800 on FanDuel. Uh, Titans backs Lewis and Henry are 65 and 6,200. How do you see it kind of playing out? I mean, Miller is clearly the guy in his offense, even though we saw a little more Alfred Blue than expected. I think he scored, so that kind of bumped up the production a bit. But are you interested in any of these backs this week in this matchup? I think uh, Lamar Miller is probably a decent cash guy. You know, he's going to get the work. He's going to he had 20 carries last week, but uh, in a tournament, I just I just wonder about his upside these days. You know, he's just uh, kind of a kind of a solid but boring guy, and I just I don't know if he's got the upside there anymore. If I'm going to someone, it's probably Deion Lewis. Um, he played about uh, he played 30 more snaps than the Derrick Henry week one. Granted, they were trailing in that game, so they used him a lot of the backfield, but. I just think Deion Lewis is really good. You know, I watch every time I watch him play, he just looks better than uh, you know people think. You know, he's good carrying the ball. He's good out of the backfield. If I'm going with someone that I think you know could really explode and have a big game, maybe score a couple times, Deion Lewis is easily my favorite of all the, all the backs in this game. You see, like him in tournaments and in cash games, only five thousand on DraftKings. I mean, I really like the setup for him over there, getting the full point for every catch. Yeah, he's probably a little more of a tournament play for me just because he's a little game script reliant. You know, you'd like you'd like them to uh, get behind in that game and have to catch up. And with the with the the close spread, I just I don't know if he's fully a cash play. And you know, if they get up, they'll use Derrick Henry. But in a tournament, I think he's got a lot of upside, um, especially with a full point PPR in DraftKings. He's a guy that I do like in tournaments. Man, Lamar Miller, fifty four hundred on DraftKings too. Absolutely Ooh. a cash game play. I agree with you yeah. though with Miller because the the problem he's going to run to is a lot like what you have with even like. Uh, well, like a Jonathan Stewart in previous years in Carolina, you have a guy that can call his own number in Deshaun Watson. He can pick up some of the rushing scores in close, so that chips away at some of the value. It seems like the the ceiling is much lower for a player than like Lamar Miller than it should be, uh, simply because he shares the offense with such a dynamic quarterback. Yeah, I mean he had he played seven or sixteen games last year and he had three rushing touchdowns. So it just it, it's hard to find too much excitement there. But really solid at fifty four hundred on DraftKings, you know, solid cash game play. You know he's gonna get the volume, knows he's gonna get the ball. Uh, you gotta like that at, at that price when you when you're getting that many touches. Yeah, absolutely. Now we mentioned it in the open, Mariota coming off a, a horrible game. I mean, left early, was dealing with some numbness in his fingers. He was already back practicing fully on Wednesday. Do you throw up the Mariota Hail Mary lineup? And if you do. Which of those pass catchers do you want to stack with him? You know, Corey Davis is the guy that jumps out just because of the third, he had the 13 targets in week one, and now Delaney Walker's out. So you got to think the target share is going to be there. There are some reports this week that Rashard Matthews is going to be more involved. I'm not really sure I'm ready to go there. I, I know Mariota's going to play, and it sounds like everything's all right. I just I just think with it, when you play one quarterback in DFS, I like you said earlier, I don't think I play enough lineups where I'm really going to go with any Mariota lineups. Uh, I'm going to watch. You know, I, I'm a little worried about the elbow. You know, he took that uh, kind of little bit borderline dirty hit where he hurt the elbow that, uh, you know, the guy tackled him about a second after he handed off. But I just didn't like what I saw last week. I didn't like what I saw with the offense. Uh, the, the, like you said, Deion Lewis is kind of the only impressive thing. If I'm going anywhere that passing offense, it's probably Corey Davis at 6,300 on FanDuel just based on the target share uh, and with Delaney Walker out. But uh, I'm not really attacking this offense too heavily this week. One guy I'm watching closely, I want to see how much Johnny Smith uh, is counted yep. on to, to fill in Delaney Walker's role. I mean, he's the guy that moves to the top of the depth chart. Will they put anything close to Delaney Walker's target share on Jonu Smith? If they do, he ends up being a good season-long pickup, but also a guy that immediately arrives as a tournament play. Only 3,100 on DraftKings, so if you want to punt tight end, Jonu Smith is on that list this week. 
And he's a pretty, I mean, athletic guy. I don't think they were ready to fully go to him. You know, they, they were hoping to kind of bring him along. But he's 4200 on Fandle. You mentioned the DraftKings price. You know, if you're putting tight end, uh, you know, hard to uh, hard to go wrong with a guy who's, who's, who's starting for sure. Yeah, it opens up so many interesting possibilities elsewhere with that ultra-low price. It does. So uh, next game is the uh, clearly the game of the day and a really fun game. And I think there's multiple ways to attack this. I mean, you're obviously going to want some part of this game. It's the Chiefs headed to Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh's fair by five. Huge over under at 52 and a half in this game. You know, after we saw, you know, what we saw from the Chiefs last week, obviously super explosive against the Chargers. Tyreek Hill was everywhere and won people a lot of money in tournaments. Uh, You know, Ben Roethlisberger, they had a ton of trouble with turnovers, but still had a lot of yards. You know, he racked up a lot of yards. So did Antonio Brown. Juju Smith played well. Obviously, we mentioned James Conner was crazy. Um, Starting with Kansas City, uh, how are you attacking uh, this game? uh, What's kind of your focus on what you want to uh, go with? I think Mahomes will be maybe the highest owned quarterback this week on FanDuel at 7,500. So with that, I want to be careful about using him in tournaments and cash games, no reservations whatsoever. Uh, If you want to pair him with Tyreek Hill, by all means, go ahead and do it. I think if you're looking to angle for, for the tournament approach here with the chiefs, it's Kareem hunt. I mean, he's coming off a disappointing game last week where the offense was amazing. And he put up like 4.9 FanDuel points. He's 7,800. I don't think the Steelers are going to be all that good against the run. Uh, they were leaking against the Browns last week, if I'm not mistaken. So you look at this as a, a pretty good setup for Kareem Hunt. Everyone's going to be more interested in even James Conner on the other side for 800 less on FanDuel and the expectation that he's going to get another crazy heavy workload. But I look at Hunt and Kelsey, the two disappointments in the Chiefs offense that I liked a lot coming into the season as the two guys that I'd most like to have sprinkled into my lineups this week. Yeah, it's funny. You look at Hunt, and you know it would be, the narrative would be a lot different if they didn't have those those two plays from the one yard line where they did the little fake uh, fake handoff and the little toss throw that you know Mahomes really just dropped the ball into DeAnthony Thomas's hands once and Tyreek Hill's the other time. So Mahomes had the four touchdowns, but two of them were really handoffs that countered at passes. So I just wonder if you know Hunt scores one of those. You know, maybe the narrative's a little different there. I like that too. I don't. I don't think a lot of people will have him this week. I think a lot of people are disappointed. I think a lot of people are worried about that. Mahomes is not really a checkdown guy. He's not going to hit him out of the backfield. He's going to throw deep a lot. Um, you know, Pittsburgh did hold Carlos Hyde to 22 carries on 62 yards. So there's a little concern there, but uh, I actually like this game from a kind of a game stack aspect, not a not a team stack, but a game stack. I think I want to go like two guys on one side of the offense and a guy on the other side. So if they do turn to a shootout, you're going to get both parts of it. I like something like. Uh, Mahomes and Travis Kelsey mixed with Juju Smith, or maybe you go like a Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, then you throw Kareem Hunt in there. So I think I really want to kind of get the the back and forth action in this game if it goes high scoring, goes into shootout, rather than just getting one side of it. Yeah, very much a, a doable thing, too, when you look at how the prices break down. And uh, the other guy that's kind of forgotten about and didn't have a good week one is Sammy Watkins. I mean, 5,800 on FanDuel. Is there any GPP interest there for you with Watkins? Not really a Sammy Watkins guy, but yeah, I mean, if you're you're trying to throw someone in a tournament, you got to think that uh, Pittsburgh, you know, you're going to watch the game film and watch Tyreek Hill a lot. You got to think they're going to shade those safeties over there and try and really shut him down and make them go somewhere else. Uh, if that's the case, you get Sammy Watkins one on one. Sure, he can beat his guy. Uh, probably not someone I'm going to have a lot of ownership of, but maybe uh, you know, maybe a drop in a, is a wide receiver three in a couple tournaments. But I really like uh, I really like Travis Kelsey this week. Like you said, kind of going off the brutal week one. We talked about how he never does anything against the Chargers, and that happened again. He had one catch for 11 yards. Um, do you have any concern with the Mahomes, you know, chucking it thing? Do you think that he's going to be a guy that throws to his tight ends, throws to his backs? Do you think we're looking at a guy that is always looking 20 yards downfield? No, I think he's going to throw to everybody. He just he looks every bit a complete quarterback, and we talked about the. 
crazy like tech mobile level throw that he made <laughs> in the preseason that got everybody really excited. Yeah. But this is a guy that has the arm strength, the ability to move on the run. He can he can do everything you want a quarterback in today's NFL to do. Uh, ultimately, I think it's a good thing for Travis Kelsey. Some people tried to paint that up as a as a bad thing, but teams are going to game plan to stop Tyreek Hill if Hill keeps burning defenses the way he was burning the Chargers in Week One, and eventually Kelsey's going to end up with some easier matchups, less attention as a result. So I think Kelsey's going to be fine. I, I'm not worried about him at all. Are you going back to Tyreek Hill at 8100? Do you think he'd be uh, overweight or underweight compared to the field on Hill this week? Mm, I'd be under compared to the field, but I mean, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and talk people out of it. I, I understand why you'd want to do it. He looks like potentially the most dynamic receiver in the game right now, <laughs> based on some of the things he was doing last week. Yeah, he does. Uh, you look at the Steelers side, um, obviously the chief secondary got lit up by Phillip Rivers last week. They won the game, but he had a ton of yards. Keenan Allen played well, and that included a few bad drops. Tyrell Williams dropped a touchdown, and there was uh, Travis Benjamin dropped a deep ball that was wide open. They could have put up a ton of yards last week against the Chiefs. The Chiefs had a ton of issues last year with wide receivers and quarterbacks. Um, you know, that looks like nothing has changed. Great game script for the Steelers, high scoring both ways. Uh, you mentioned Mahomes is going to be the top uh, ownership guy. I think Ben Roethlisberger might be right up there with him. He's only 7,600 on FanDuel. Everybody's talking him up this week. A lot of people like the, the Roethlisberger with Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster uh, uh, stack. Uh, what are you going to be doing with Roethlisberger? He struggled on the road week one. We talked about the fact that he struggles on the road. We talked about how much he struggles in Cleveland. You know, they are kind of playing in kind of half a monsoon last week. Uh, I think he'll be popular. Uh, what are you going to do with Roethlisberger this week? You know, you look at some of the other matchups at the quarterback position. We talked about Newton at Atlanta. We'll talk about Tom Brady going on the road to Jacksonville. Rodgers being compromised. Breeze, pretty expensive, top of the list on FanDuel. You have to kind of stay in that middle tier. So I think yeah. Mahomes and Roethlisberger are at the top of the list in terms of ownership. And I see Andrew Luck sitting there at that same price, 7500 I think in a tournament, I'm more inclined to play Luck in cash games. It's one of Banner Mahomes. Uh, I think Ben's a little safer than Patrick Mahomes at this point, but it's splitting hairs. I mean, as long as that elbow injury doesn't keep him out all week from practice, I think he'll be fine from a health standpoint. And uh, that Chiefs defense is really the gift that keeps on giving because it makes the offense put up ridiculous numbers, but it also uh, you know, leaves another team to pile up big stats against them week in and week out. Do you have a preference at all at wide receiver? Are you going to be playing up for Antonio Brown? You want to pay down a little bit for Juju? Uh, what do you feel with that? Obviously, both with prime matchups against the Casey secondary. I'm looking at Juju at the discounted price relative to Brown at 7200 and having a really hard time staying away from that. So for me, it, it, I'm on Team Juju this week. Uh, I always <laughs> wonder when, when Antonio Brown's price is uh, as high as it is, if you're going to end up getting him lower owned than you should in some spots, this is not going to be one of them against the Chiefs. People are going to be all over Antonio Brown because everybody wants to pick on the Chiefs right now. So we talk about uh, we talk about Ben, we talk about AB, we talk about Juju. So what do you do with James Conner? He's priced up a little bit, but still not priced way up. He's 7,000 this week. He had 100% of their backfield touches last week. No one else in the, uh, no other Steeler running back touched the ball in the out of the backfield or in a carry. He had 192 yards from scrimmage. You know, you mentioned earlier, maybe they're showing uh, Le'Veon Bell that they don't need him. Maybe they're really trying to feed uh, Connor. Uh, so what do you do with Connor this week? You got to think he's going to be high percentage again. But if we love the Steelers pass offense, I just wonder, you know, you got you to go away somewhere. He's an easy guy for me to stay away from because I think he will still be yeah. very highly owned. Uh, I, I, do believe the Steelers were sending a message to Le'Veon Bell with the usage of Connor, but aside from that, conditions in Cleveland 
were not good for the passing game. It was rainy. It was windy. Uh, I think with that, it's going to be more pass-happy this week anyway. The Chiefs had the firepower to get up big on the Steelers anyway and really kind of force Ben's hand, make him throw 40, 45, 50 times. So, yeah, Connor catches passes and, and got 100% of the touch share last week. I just don't expect that to continue. And I think ownership rates are so high that he's an easy fade for me. Uh, and cash games still very much playable in tournaments. I don't think I'll have James Conner going anywhere. With the uh, with the 49ers playing the late game, this is definitely going to be the uh, the big screen game in the garage. That's uh, that's going to be a really fun game. Oh yeah, that that's I mean that's that that feels like a possible AFC uh, conference championship game preview. I mean it that could easily play out that way. Yeah, totally agreed there. Uh, moving on to a game that's not the AFC Championship game preview. We have the Dolphins headed to the Jets. All the Jets did look good. Uh, Jets are favored by three in this game, which I don't think anybody would have predicted a week ago. Over-under is 44. Uh, not a lot I love in this game. We'll hit it real quick. Uh, Kenyon Drake uh, you know, had a lot more snaps than Frank Gore, but Frank Gore looked good. Um, the Jets' run D is pretty solid. Drake's only 6,600, but not someone I'm super interested in against the Jets' run D this week. No, it, it's a tough run D, and it's also not an offense you expect to replicate what it did in week one and, and put the Dolphins in situations where Drake's is catching a ton of passes out of the backfield. The price isn't bad. I, I have no no qualms with the price, but uh, this is a game where I don't know what these two teams are. I think last week that game for me was uh, the Arizona-Washington matchup. This week it's the Dolphins-Jets matchup. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I think the Lions are horrible, so that kind of skews my perception of what the Jets might be. And I think that weird game with all the delays, you know, for the Dolphins and Titans just makes it hard to right. get a sense of what they really are, too. So uh, it is pretty easy game to, to look away from. I think from a, a tournament standpoint, Quincy Inunua is going to be really popular. 5,000 flat on FanDuel. Do you play that or do you say, you know what, that's just that's low hanging fruit. I'm going to go Robbie Anderson instead and hope that he comes in at a much lower ownership rate at 6,400. Yeah, my answer to that is probably neither, but, you know, Anunwa did have the 10 targets. Everybody's been talking up on Twitter. He's the big fab pickup at receiver. Uh, there's a lot of people who really like uh, really like Anunwa. I just think I'm going to stay away. I just, you know, Sam Darnold looked pretty good, but not something that I'm, you know, jumping to use his receivers. Isaiah Crowell and Bilal Powell split snaps, uh, you know, pretty evenly. Crowell did have the big game because he broke that late touchdown, but... Yeah, like you said, I, this is one of those games I'm probably staying away from. If I had to play anybody here, it might be Kenny Stills, just because I think no one's going to go back to him after the two touchdowns. He's pretty solid when Devontae Parker doesn't play. He's kind of he's very clearly the wide receiver one when Parker's out. Uh, if I was going to go for anybody, it'd be Kenny Stills in the tournament with the thought that nobody's going to buy into two touchdowns again, and he, he'd probably come in a pretty low ownership percentage at the price. Yeah, Parker was limited to practice on Wednesday. We'll see where he's at later in the week, but um, I'm with you on Stills. I think that makes... That makes sense if you're going to do anything in this game, either Stills or Robbie Anderson, but I'm probably just going to have uh, an easy pass on this one. So moving on, we have the uh, we have the world champs. Uh, the Eagles headed Tampa Bay, which is suddenly an interesting game after what Tampa Bay did to the Saints last week. Uh, Philly is fared by three on the road, over under a 43 and a half. Uh, you know, Philly won last week, but I, their offense definitely sputtered. Foles did not look good. They only had 232 yards of the offense. But this is a great matchup. You know, the, the Bucks, uh, the Bucks were thrashed by wide receivers last year. None of that changed week one. Michael Thomas went off against them. Drew Brees went off against them, even though they were losing. Game script was great. But, you know, the Bucks can't stop wide receivers. They allowed, Tampa Bay allowed 8.1 yards per play in week one. That seems almost impossible. I love Nelson Aguilar this week. 6,100. He was a target monster last week. Brutally inefficient, but... 
That was against an Atlanta defense that was playing pretty well. Mentioned the two guys they lost and how that's going to probably change uh, what happens with that defense in the weeks ahead. But I'm not going to look at Aguilar's uh, lack of production on the 10 targets last week and and get down on it. I'm going to get excited about how heavily involved, how heavily targeted he was by Nick Foles. Yeah, it was funny because he had the 33 yards on the eight catches. Everybody was bringing up stats of how many times that hasn't happened. But I love the targets, especially in a PPR. You got to like Aguilar at 6,100. The guy I like is Zach Ertz this week, 6,500 on FanDuel. He was only five catches, 48 yards, but he did have 10 targets. Tampa Bay was really good against uh, tight ends last year, so that worries me a little bit. They were the second best in FanDuel points against tight ends. But I liked how often they were looking to Ertz. I think he's going to break a couple big ones. Uh, Him and Kelsey are the two guys I really like this week coming off the poor outings. Uh, My two favorite tight ends this week, and I think Ertz 6,500 is going to be a really good play. Yeah, I mean, the price is affordable relative to Gronk. Gronk has a tough matchup against the Jags, too, so going to the second and third options on the price list make a lot of sense. What about uh, what about Nick Foles? Seventy three hundred is a price that he's not going to you know people aren't going to punt with him. Any interest in him against this uh, this defense that cannot stop the pass? It would be sneaky, but probably too sneaky. Uh, I think if <laughs> yeah. if the Eagles are moving the ball, they're going to be balanced. They're going to run it well. I actually thought Jay Ajayi looked pretty good. I don't know why he wasn't playing more earlier in that game if they thought they could coast and play without him, but. I actually came away pretty impressed by how he looked on the runs, not just on the actual scoring output itself. Um, so I, I look at Ajayi as a guy that people, kind of with the same uh, same lens as you had with Kenny Stills, people might be a little bit hesitant to buy into another big game from Jay Ajayi this week. 6800 is a very solid price for him. Uh, I like him a lot in cash games. I don't hate it in GPPs either. I think there's actually a little more of a ceiling there than people realize. Yeah, I just uh, the Doug Peterson running back usage always worries me for fantasy football. I just you know Jaron Sproles played a lot last week. Um, I could see it on Jai. I thought he looked good too. I totally agree with you on how he looked running the ball. I thought he was easily the most effective guy they were giving the ball to. But I just wonder. Uh, I just worry about the. I worry about the snaps. I worry about the touches. You know, Jai he probably really needs to uh, be efficient on his carries to work out. But I think I agree with you on the uh, percentage. I think nobody will go back to him this week. Yeah, they're slight favorites, so I mean. That helps if, if they were in a situation where you thought maybe they could fall behind, you'd worry about it a little bit. But I don't see the Bucks coming out two weeks in a row and, and stunning the league and, and doing it against a much, much better Eagles defense than the one they saw last week against the Saints. Yeah, no doubt there. You know, this is going to be a, a different world for the Bucks going against the uh, against the Eagles. Uh, you know, Mike Evans, he's 7,900. He looked really good last week. I thought he looked uh, as athletic and healthy as he looked in a while. You know, the Eagles D is tough, but, you know, Julio Jones lit them up as a wide receiver one last week. You know, a ton of yards, didn't score, but had 168 yards, 180 yards, whatever it was. Uh, any interest in Evans? I think he'll be uh, – he's going to be overlooked in low percentage. Are, are you are you interested in Evans at 7,900? Yes, tournaments only because the Eagles defense is good, but uh, he's 7,300 yeah. on DraftKings. I think it makes them the seventh most expensive receiver over there. And as you said, uh, just under 8K at 7,900 on FanDuel. So, yeah, for tournament purposes, I do like Mike Evans this week. Uh, Julio – Julio had plenty of, of separation too. It wasn't yeah, he did. It wasn't like Matt Ryan was throwing into tight windows. Like Julio was open <laughs> no. a lot in that game. Yeah. So if uh, if Deshaun Jackson doesn't play, he's got he's in the concussion protocol. But it sounds like the shoulder is actually more of an issue. Uh, any interest in kind of moving over some ownership percentage to Chris Godwin? He looked pretty good last week. He tends to uh, tends to get a lot of targets when one of those two guys doesn't play. He's 6,100 on FanDuel. I imagine he's super cheap on DraftKings. I haven't looked him up there. But any interest in Godwin if, if D-Jack doesn't play? Yes, I think that's that's always going to be the thing that steers me towards Chris Godwin exposure. 
the absence of either one of Jackson or Evans, anything that bumps up right. the potential target volume, absolutely opens the door. 4600 on DraftKings. Love him over there at that price. Still kind of lean a little more tournament with him, with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, but uh, I, I came away pretty impressed by what Godwin did in that opener. And he did it with pretty limited targets, too, just four targets. So I, I still think it's a little bit risky, but I like it enough to where if Jackson's out, Godwin probably gets into one of my tournament lineups this week. Yeah, and, you know, Philly is favored. It's a, it's a small spread at minus three, but if they get ahead, you know, and Fitzpatrick's throwing the ball a lot the second half, you got to like that. Uh, you got to think the Eagles defense is going to shade over on Mike Evans, and Godwin should, could see a lot of one-on-ones. You know, O.J. Howard in the middle of the field, Godwin on the, on the edge uh, with a one-on-one. I, I really like what he could do if they get behind in this game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there could be a, a you know eight-plus target game for Chris Godwin if Jackson doesn't play. Hey, uh, the next game is an interesting one to figure out. The Saints are big favorites again. Obviously, they lost. Cost a lot of survivor pools last week as, as the biggest favorite in the NFL. They lost the Bucks. Cleveland heads uh, to the uh, to the Big Easy to face the Saints. New Orleans is favored by nine. Pretty high over-under in this one of 49. Uh, first on the Cleveland side, you know, obviously a great game script for the Browns. You know, they are they're nine point underdogs in a high scoring game. They should be throwing the ball up. The Saints defense looked absolutely horrendous. As we as we hit on earlier, Tyrod Taylor, sixty six hundred on FanDuel. He looked bad throwing the ball last week against the Steelers. He did that seventy seven rush yards, which saved his fantasy day. But you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick just lit them up. But I just don't know if I trust Tyrod Taylor to throw the ball after how he looked last week. Granted, it wasn't a monsoon. And I like his receivers, but I'm not totally sure I can trust him. Sixty six hundred is pretty cheap though. It's really cheap, 5900 over on DraftKings, and you could pair him with one of Landry or Gordon for 63 or 5800 which makes it a, an appealing stack. But you're yep. right. I mean, other than that touchdown run, which was really impressive, by the way, I didn't see anything from Taylor that made me think, oh, this guy's going to keep the job for several weeks. I saw a guy that might keep it for September, and then Baker Mayfield <laughs> takes over. Yeah. So. With Taylor, uh, ordinarily I would be going right at the Saints defense right away in week two. I don't think it's a terrible idea. I don't play enough lineups to where I'm going to be doing it myself. So uh, I'd be more likely to use one of those receivers, Landry or Gordon. Gordon played more than I expected, but Landry to me is so much safer. Only 6,300 on DraftKings. I'd lock him in again in cash game scenarios. I think you do got to worry about the ownership rate getting very high in tournaments. Yeah, you mentioned the, uh, the DraftKings prices. They're they're cheap on Fandle too. Sixty seven hundred on uh, for Landry, sixty three hundred for Gordon. Gordon played sixty nine snaps on offense, which I did not see coming. You mentioned the playing time. He only had three targets, did catch a touchdown. Uh, but Landry, fifteen targets. And the thought, the thing I thought was interesting with Landry is he was used differently than it was it was in Miami. I watched a bunch of that game because it was so close late, and they were throwing the ball down the field to Landry. You know, Miami was always underneath, always checks downs, always little slants, always little outs. You know, a lot of stuff within 10 to 12 yards, but they were really throwing the ball deeper to Landry, which I like to see. He's got great hands. Uh, you know, he gets if he, the ball's there. He's going to catch it. Uh, I really like the I like the upside with Landry just based on the fact they're using him differently. Yeah, I kept thinking maybe they would you know, use him more like Antonio Brown was used in Pittsburgh since Todd Haley went from Pittsburgh to Cleveland this offseason. Right. And took over that Browns offense. So I, I think it leaned more in that direction. But I think even. The more I think about that statement, the the more I hate it because Jarvis Landry isn't Antonio <laughs> Brown. He's an extremely talented receiver in his own right, uh, but it's nice to see him getting downfield more often because, you know, whether it's Taylor, whether it's Mayfield, the Browns being aggressive, that makes Landry a potentially more efficient player if he's hitting some big plays that he previously didn't even get the opportunity to hit in Miami. Yeah, and I fully agree with you on that Landry's going to be very popular. Under 7,000 on both sides, he's going to be a really popular play. I wonder if uh, 
if that moves uh, moves me on to Josh Gordon, obviously a ton of upside with Gordon. You wonder the three targets look concerning, but he played a lot, which I like. Uh, he's going to be way lower percentage than Landry. I think he's he's really interesting to me, especially in the tournament play. Yeah, I think tournaments only for Gordon if you want to use him. David and Joku is probably more of a wait and see. Could be a punt play at tight end, but you know you look at guys like Vance McDonald, Johnu Smith, Charles Clay at the same price point on DraftKings. There's not much that separates Njoku right now from those guys, and they're all kind of questionable in terms of how many targets they're going to get. Um, so I don't see any any overwhelming reason to you know steer heavily towards Njoku out of those cheap tight ends. So uh, if, if the Saints score as, as I think they will, any interest in Duke Johnson kind of as an off-the-radar play? If they're trailing, you know, on DK, you get full point PPR. I wonder if they're checking down to Duke Johnson a lot in the second half. Yeah, I mean, Duke Johnson's a lot like Chris Thompson for me, where we know he's not going to carry the ball yeah. a lot. But when the setup works in a way where he's constantly on the field, he finds a way to make value. And I think the price is very low. Uh, in most places, 4,200 on DraftKings. He's another one of those guys. He's built for DraftKings, like the full PPR yep. setup, kind of like James White, Chris Thompson's in that same mold. I could throw him in the flex at 4,200 this week in tournaments and feel pretty good about it. I was going to say, he feels like a really good flex play for me on DK. Yeah, but still tournaments only. I mean, I, I think even, yeah, for sure. even with his defined role, that offense is still – quirky enough or unknown enough where I don't trust him in cash games quite yet. Yeah, I agree with you there. So on the Saints side, last week we talked about we were a little worried about the game script and them getting up to too big a lead. Obviously, the opposite happened. They were behind and had to throw all day. Drew Brees looked really good and, you know, kind of back to the days of, you know, one of their defense is awful again. He starts to put up huge stats. The Browns gave up 335 yards passing to Pittsburgh last week in that uh, in that poor weather. So obviously, they uh, the pass defense is not especially good. Michael Thomas went crazy last week. 17 targets, um, had a touchdown, had a lot of yards, had, I think, uh, 16 catches on the 70 targets, which is crazy to think about. And the one the one target he didn't catch was right in his stomach on a third down that he dropped. Uh, are you going back to Breeze Thomas this week? Do you think the game script's going to turn out differently? Um, where do you fall on the Saints this week? Uh, I'd play Thomas, but not Breeze. Breeze being at the top of the price list on FanDuel. 8,800's yep. too steep for me. Thomas is very safe. I have no problem paying the premium for him. If you want to go away from Antonio Brown and uh, you want a guy that you know is going to be heavily involved. And part of what I like about Thomas right now is that you know, Cameron Meredith missed a lot of time during camp. He's not really contributing yet. Ted Ginn you know, made a big play last week and, and has that kind of ability to kind of come and go in this offense. And uh, It's just a group of receivers behind Thomas that I don't feel that good about right now. Traquan Smith, the rookie, if he were getting on the field more, I think could be pretty interesting. But, um, I, yeah, I'm looking at this situation here, and I just think that Michael Thomas will continue to be a target monster Early in the season, I think it's down to the Thomas and, and Kamara show every single week for the Saints offense. So you mentioned Kamara. He's 9,000 this week on FanDuel. You know, he's one of those weird guys where game script can actually work, you know, he's in his advantage both ways. If they're ahead, they hand the ball off to him, although they, they're not going to lean on him big time. They don't want to uh, get a lot of work for him. But, he, you know, he gets the ball in the second half of the leading. But if they're behind, suddenly he's getting a ton of passes too. So he's one of those guys that we have a lot of, a lot of running backs that come out on third down or running backs that if they're behind, we worry about game script. Kamara's kind of game script proof right now, which is a, uh, you know, it's scary to think about, but uh, he only had 12 targets week one, didn't run the ball. Great. But James Conner thrashed Cleveland last week, as we've talked about earlier, it's hard to find a reason not to play Kamara aside from the 9,000 price tag. Yeah. How many lineups do you think you're going to have where he's in it though, at that price? 
Yeah, probably. Uh, probably. You know, if I play five, you know, he'd definitely be in one of them. Um, you know, I don't want to totally fade him. If I pay ten, to be a couple. So probably about twenty percent of my lineups, I think, is there. And you know, at nine thousand, I think it's probably gonna be his percentage. He was. Uh, I saw a couple tournaments. He was thirty-five percent last week. You know, he he was priced down a little bit less, but he's just he's just so good. And without Mark Ingram there, you know, I I worry about the, I worry about the carries. He had. Uh, you know, he only had twenty-nine yards on eight carries last week, but two touchdowns, hundred twelve yards receiving. It's. Uh, it's hard to find reasons not to put Kamara in your lineup at all, ever. Yeah, ninety five hundred over on DraftKings. I think your, oh, wow. your your exposure rate though makes sense. I mean, there's enough cheap punt plays still on the board everywhere to offset the price when you want to do it. But right. it's hard to build four or five lineups you like with a guy that expensive locked into them. Yeah, it is. That's a, it's tough to build around, especially in DraftKings and 9500. That really takes a lot of your cap. You're going to have to play some guys in the in the fours for sure. But, you know, really good. He's obviously really fun to watch. But uh, what, do you, what do you think happens in this game? Are you, do you think Cleveland hangs in or do you think New Orleans is going to be pissed off and just blow them out? I think the Saints are going to blow them out. Uh, I'd be really surprised too. if they drop two at home. Actually, if you didn't use them in week one in Survivor, I think they're actually a really good Survivor pick this week. Well, uh, I used them in week one, so that doesn't really help me very much. Unfortunately, yeah, you did. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the pentathlon's got two strikes. Can't go to the same team twice. But, uh, yeah. Did you, uh, did you did you have uh, Baltimore? Yeah, I went Baltimore last week. Nice. Yeah, I went back and forth between those two. And once Peterman was named, it was kind of silly not to go Baltimore. I was buying into the, you know, Tampa Bay's got their backup quarterback, too. But Fitzpatrick is a pro, and Peterman it probably isn't. No, unfortunately, Peterman actually looks like he's going to be headed north of the border in a year or two. <laughs> you like those CFL guys? I uh, I do. I, I like sending people to the CFL. Actually, that, that's that's like kind of my favorite <laughs> thing to do. So, uh, moving on to the biggest favorite of the board, we have the uh, Cardinals headed to the Coliseum to face the Rams. Rams are twelve and a half point favorites, coming off their twenty point win against the Raiders in Oakland on Monday night. Over under this game forty five and a half. Uh, you know, Rams biggest favorite on the board on the Arizona side. You know, you got to like a game script where, you know, they could be throwing the whole second half is, uh, are you on a Larry Fitzgerald play here? Any Ricky Seals Jones love? Uh, what are you doing with the Arizona that looked, that looked really bad last week against the Redskins? Fitz is only 6,000 on DraftKings, and they may have to throw it 45 times, even if they don't want to. So that bodes yeah. very well for him. So, yeah, I'm definitely in on Fitzgerald, especially in cash games. This line seems a little bit bigger than it should be. I know the Cardinals look bad at home against Washington. Uh, I just, I don't know, new coaching staff, new quarterback, lots of changes there. So that they were terrible maybe shouldn't have surprised me as much as it did. I thought with David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald being the focal points of the offense, they could move the ball against a team like Washington. I was wrong about that. But the discounted price on Fitz right now, absolutely worth paying for. David Johnson's 8200 over on DraftKings. Uh, you look at the price over here on FanDuel, he's sitting at 8400 He's got a back injury. I don't think it's anything too serious, limited on Wednesday. But kind of wonder if he checks in with a really low ownership rate this week because of how terrible that offense looked in the opener. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. I mean, we talked about Kamara earlier, and there's going to be a lot of people playing him. And, you know, Melvin Gordon, maybe a, a bunch of ownership at 8100 But the, the thing with Johnson is he only had nine carries last week, but did have nine targets. So I wonder if, you know, if they fall behind, he might be an interesting DraftKings play, getting a bunch of targets. Uh, I just find there's other running backs I think that I like situations more this week, especially on the high end. Yeah, again, we have that luxury with no bye weeks. There are so many games on the board. You can take the wait yep. and see with teams and situations that you're not sure about, and, and that might be the appropriate way to go 
uh, with the non-Fitzgerald Cardinals. I mean, that that price, 6K on DraftKings, is is a gift. Yeah, the only guy that I do like aside Fitz is Ricky Seals-Jones. He saw six targets last week, and the thing I like is that they were the, they were behind the second half. They really looked at him. He had five targets in the second half alone. He even had a short hop in the end zone that Bradford made a bad throw that should have been a touchdown. I think if you're looking to save a little money at tight end, he's 5,200 on FanDuel. He's much less on DraftKings, I believe. Uh, I think he's an interesting game script guy that uh, at tight end, if you're looking to kind of save off the off the Kelsey and Ertz and Gronk. I think he's an interesting guy that will be low-owned and did see a lot of action when they were behind last week, which I think they will be again this week. Yeah, for tournament lineups, we're using Camara. Ricky Seals-Jones, 2,900 on DraftKings. Oh, good. He helps get you to the Camara line if you need it. Yeah, that's uh, that's someone I'm definitely going to be using in DraftKings. 2,900 is way too low for a guy who was really involved in the second half last week. He's a freak, too. I mean, like he's just... He I, think, I think he's a better player than people realize, and... It's a it's a bumpy offense, but if if they're throwing forty times, it can't just be all Fitz and David Johnson. Someone else has to step up, and Seals Jones is probably the next option. Maybe Christian Kirk eventually becomes that guy, but uh, especially in the red zone, you can see Seals Jones maybe making an impact if the, if the Cardinals are able to sustain a drive that long. So the Rams' offense, you know, I tell you what, you watch this offense, and you really you really marvel at how good Sean McVay is. He puts Jared Goff in so many good spots to succeed. I mean, he just puts him in, in positions where he's making easy plays, making easy decisions. You know, Jared Goff's good, but, you know, McVay is the, his coach really helps a lot. But Todd Gurley's, you know, the play this week, 8,900 on Fandle, so really expensive, but he did average over 150 yards from scrimmage against Arizona two games last year, last, last season. Arizona gave up 161 yards rushing last week to uh, Peterson and Thompson and 133 yards receiving to Peterson and Thompson. They got absolutely thrashed by running backs, almost 300 yards uh, between the two uh, out of the backfield and carrying the ball. And they had two touchdowns. Uh, Gurley's hard to go away from this week. You just wonder if they get up, maybe they kind of ease off the gas. But he's so good. He's so involved in every play. They kind of build every play, you know, based on what Gurley is and where he's going. They kind of build that offense around him. I think I'm going to pay up at 8900. Uh, Gurley's one of my favorite guys this week. Similar to Camara, where if you got five lineups, he's only in one though. I think uh, I think I'll have more lineups uh, with Gurley than Camara. I like I think Gurley outscores Camara this week. Okay, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, so. With Gurley, I mean, yeah, he's the focal point of the offense. The receivers are very affordable on DraftKings. Looking at the price over on FanDuel, it's 7K on Cook, 6,500 on Woods, 6,300 on Cooper Cup. I think Cooper Cup at 6,300 being the cheapest of the bunch is probably the most interesting. Maybe that drives up the ownership rate a bit, but it's because he'll be lining up in the slot more. I think Patrick Peterson might be seeing uh, a lot more of Brandon Cooks. So I think that's where I'm looking at maybe Cup and Woods as the pass catchers I'd like. But the major problem you have here, it's a very lopsided line. And yep. if it plays out the way you expect, it is going to be a lot of you know Gurley running the ball throughout the first three quarters and maybe even like a John Kelly or a Malcolm Brown or one of the backups piling up all that work really late. So if you're buying the Vegas line on this, uh, I think you're right to just concentrate on Gurley and to maybe just stay away from the other pass catchers in the Rams offense. I did like how they, how they used Brandon cooks. He was, uh, he was way more involved in the offense than Sammy Watkins was last year. He had eight targets. He had two pass interferences on deep ball. So he could have had a big game. He moves around a lot. So I think that they'll make sure that Patrick Peterson won't, won't shadow him. I think if I had to go with a receiver from the Rams, I think I'd go with cooks who I think will be lower owned at a higher price than cup. And I think he might be a little sneaky as a low percentage guy, but you're going to need it in the first half. Cause I don't think he's going to be uh, catching too many balls in the second half. Yeah. I hate relying on that. The, the early strike. I know me too. You know, like it's just yeah. not, not ideal, but uh, it, the logic certainly makes sense. 
And the uh, the Rams defense is a play I like a lot this week coming. If you want to come off the uh, the, the very popular uh, Chargers, the Rams defense, I think, uh, you know, last year they had uh, nine sacks and four interceptions in two games against the Cardinals, including a shutout against them. So I think the Rams D has a, a really good pivot off the Chargers if you want to uh, want to avoid some of the ownership there. Uh, Rams D is probably my favorite play this week. Yeah, I mean, they're 400 more expensive at 4,800 yep. on FanDuel, yep. only 100 more than the Chargers on DraftKings. A no-brainer on DraftKings to go with the Rams. Yeah, and I think the I think the uh, the elevated four hundred people love to save money at defense. I think that that'll take some of the ownership off the Rams and put it on the Chargers. Yeah, I agree. Uh, moving on to the uh, 49ers home against the Lions, who are coming off the uh, egg laying against the Jets. Uh, 49ers are favored by five and a half. Over under is 48. Um, starting on the Detroit side, I think I'm going to wait and see on Matt Stafford. I did not like what I saw uh, last week, but. The uh, the three uh, Lions receivers, you know, they uh, they're playing a lot of three wide receiver sets. They don't run the ball a lot. They don't have, uh, you know, a ton at tight end. Uh, Luke Wilson, I don't think I don't even caught a ball last week. Uh, do you have a favorite among the Lions receivers? Because it's a pretty good game script that the 49ers do score some points. The Detroit's going to definitely throw the ball. Uh, I think Kenny Galladay at 5,700 is going to be really popular. I think everybody likes him as kind of the sexy play. Uh, I'm moving up to Golden Tate at 7,100. I like the 15 targets last week. I think I kind of like him as a pivot off Galladay, who I think is going to be really highly owned. Yeah, I think Tate is a lot like Jarvis Landry, where it's like, I don't love the offense, but his role in it seems so clearly defined. The price is still yeah. good. Only 6500 on DraftKings, so you can use them on both sites. Works well in cash. I don't think the ownership gets so high that you can't use them in tournaments. He's just one of those guys that people think is kind of old and boring, and I don't know. I think he's extremely productive, so I do think the setup is a very good one. Uh, I, I, I have no idea what they're going to do in that backfield in Detroit. Like I have no sense for what nope. the, the Week 2 distribution of carries and touches is going to look like for those backs. Yeah, I'm not even I'm not even touching that backfield now. But, uh, you know, Adam Thielen had a lot of success, success out of the slot against the 49ers last week, and that's where Tate will be. Uh, you agree with me? Do you think you think Galladay will be pretty, uh, pretty popular? A little bit. I mean, I think he's that big, fast guy that everybody wants to see break out. Uh, so that's going to happen. Maybe that makes Marvin Jones the the unheralded second receiver, even though you know, it's a trio where people are paying up for the cheaper guy. Uh, but I'm looking at this and I'm just saying it's Tate or bust for me. And, you know, if I have five lineups, Tate's probably in at least one, maybe in two of them. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think uh, I think 5,700 on Fandle Galladay will definitely be a popular play there. 12 targets last week. Uh, you know, it, it's a good game script. But looking at the 49ers, I think that the running backs kind of seem 50-50. Alfred Morris had 34 snaps. Matt Breida had 30. Um, kind of a pass for me in DFS. You know, even with a good, a good game script, I just don't know who's going to be getting the carries. But... I do like uh, I do like a, a stack this week with Garoppolo and George Kittle. I really liked how Kittle looked last week. Nine targets, he even dropped a big ball. He could have had a really huge game. If Marquise Goodwin is out, I think that uh, Garoppolo Kittle could be a really interesting stack in this game. Yeah, I do like the idea of going to a, a Garoppolo stack. Yeah, Goodwin being banged up really pushes Kittle up the list. Garcon, I mean, what do you think after watching him last week? Is there anything left in the tank? You know, I, I they went to him a lot. They were really using him a lot. I thought he had four or five balls, eh, maybe three or four balls that he should have caught. They were tough plays, but you know, he got hit. He had one in the end zone that was in his hands. I was, I was a little concerned based on the fact that I thought he dropped three or four balls that he usually catches. Uh, you know, would have caught early last year before he got hurt. Uh, I do like that they went in him a lot. They uh, they threw the ball a lot to him. Obviously, Goodwin was out, so that helped. But I uh, I was a little concerned by uh, by I didn't think he played very well. Yeah, I, I didn't see as much of that game as you did. Had that running kind of simultaneously with red zone. And 
Uh, I didn't see anything that stood out in a positive way from Garcon, but definitely want to make sure I didn't miss anything there. Uh, Kittle is really cheap on DraftKings. You want a, a Garoppolo Kittle stack on DraftKings, it'll cost you almost nothing. Kittle's 3800 this week over there. Uh, that's that's too cheap for how active he was, especially on balls down the field last week. I think he'll be somewhat chalky in tournaments. I do too. At, as a result of that, so keep that in mind if uh, if you're playing over there uh, and you're trying to use that combo on DraftKings. Yeah, he's 5600 on Fanduel, so I think that helps the uh, helps the percentage a little bit, especially with uh, Kelsey and Ertz priced down this week. But if Goodwin doesn't play, uh, Dante Pettis is an interesting kind of wide receiver three punt. He's 4000 on DraftKings, 4500 on Fanduel. Um, you know, once uh, Goodwin was out, he had four targets in the second half. Four or five targets were late. He looked pretty good too. He's an explosive guy. Uh, he returns punts too. You know, he's really explosive at, at the University of Washington. He's a rookie this year. Uh, he's an interesting guy. I wonder if uh, if Goodwin's out, if you know, maybe he gets a little bit chalky. But I think that. Uh, I think that enough people will be on Kittle uh, that that Pettis probably stays uh, at fairly low owned. Yeah, I think with Pettis, I mean, it's it's all about Goodwin not being there. Four thousand is a fair price for tournaments. Yeah, Uh, I think he dropped a a touchdown pass in the first half, right? Like he had to play broken up. It wasn't wasn't like an ugly wide open drop, but it was a pass broken up sort of drop. Um, So it looks like he's got a pretty good rapport already with Garoppolo. Yeah, I really uh, I was impressed by what they saw. He did have the touchdown in the second half. So I think if Goodwin's out, I think he's definitely a way to uh, save some money. Um, moving on to a really, really good game. We have New England headed to Jacksonville. Uh, interesting game in that, uh, you know, usually we love the New England offense, but facing this Jacksonville defense will be tough. New England's fair by a point and a half over under a 45. Uh, what are you thinking on the New England uh, offense? Usually we just kind of avoid everybody going to Jacksonville. Obviously, they're ex- more explosive than most offenses. Um, are you interested in a, in a super a super low percentage Tom Brady or anything like that? A little bit. I mean, I think uh, especially on DraftKings, 6500 is a, a really nice price there. You could pair him up with Gronk and, you know, maybe you end up being just fine. Gronk creates matchup nightmares for even good defenses. So, you know, I think it's interesting because anytime you get the Patriots a second look, at a defense in a reasonably small amount of time as far as NFL game weeks are concerned, that kind of creates a potential advantage for Belichick, and it's easy to look past that. So uh, I do like the idea of getting them low-owned. Maybe one in five lineups I could see pairing Brady with Gronk this week. Uh, Looking at the running game, you know, I, I still don't trust Burkhead. I know with Jeremy Hill going down, that may have changed how much they used him last week. So I don't really like that setup a lot. Maybe they dumped the ball off to James White a lot to kind of keep the Jags pass rush more honest. Uh, but there's not a whole lot that I like this week. I mean, Philip Dorsett's kind of interesting beyond week two. I don't think I'm playing him this week, even though the price is still pretty low. It's kind of Brady and Gronk or nothing for me from the Patriots offense. Yeah, I, I would normally love going back to Chris Hogan. You know, he played a lot of snaps. He had five targets, but only one catch. But he's going to get a lot of Jalen Ramsey. You know, Dorsett's going to see a lot of A.J. Bouye. Those guys may guard Gronk some, too. But interesting situation in the backfield. Uh, Rex Burkhead actually went in the concussion protocol today. So that could be an interesting situation. Uh, you know, obviously, Jeremy Hill's out. Sony Michelle, we don't know what we're really getting there yet. And he might not even play. Kenyon Barner kind of sucks. Um, they might use him a lot. You know, if, they, uh, if they're trying to avoid going against Ramsey and Bouye and they're doubling Gronk, uh, if, if Burkhead doesn't play, I think James White at 5,900 on Fanduel becomes super interesting. Yeah, it might get a few more carries than usual, and we'll see if they bring somebody else up onto the roster to possibly uh, Where, contribute. Where's, jo- where's Jonas Gray when you need him? Oh, he's sleeping. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, he had that one big game, and then he was gone. But, uh, yeah, I think White's probably my favorite guy in this offense if Burkhead is out. 
Yeah, that, that would change things a little bit for me. But if Burkhead plays, I think that share is one where I'm just staying away. And, you know, Brady Gronk is the way to go for me. What about uh, what about the Jacksonville offense? You know, they're going to have to score a little bit more than usual because, you know, New England's going to score some points. Uh, Leonard Fournette is questionable with that hamstring injury. He'll be low percentage at 7,700 on FanDuel. But, you know, Hammy scared the hell out of me, especially with a running back. You know, he could he could make one cut, cut and a tweak and suddenly you're looking at a zero. Uh, are you interested in all in a low percentage Fournette or are you just kind of staying away with that with that hamstring? Yeah, staying away because the hamstring. They've said he could play even if he doesn't practice all week, but you still wonder if he plays and gets his usual share of the touches. TJ Yeldon's at least a competent sort of backup. And I look at the pass catchers. I see nothing there to get excited about. We know the Patriots can often scheme and take one key weapon away. Probably would be Keelan Cole in this case. So maybe that makes D.D. Westbrook a little more appealing. But I don't I don't like this setup at all for the Jags. Even though they're at home, I think they, they could be in a lot of trouble if Fournette's compromised or if Fournette doesn't play at all. Yeah, you look at the in the Jacksonville receivers, like you said, it's kind of just split around. You know, uh, Keelan Cole led with 32 snaps, but had four targets. Uh, Didi had six targets. So I think I just like other receivers more in that range. And they're going to have to throw and they're going to have to score some. But I just I don't think there's anybody that jumps out to me as like, I got to play that guy. Nah, it's just the makeup of that roster. You know, they don't have that typical number one receiver anymore. It's just it's kind of a mess all over the place. Yeah, a lot depends on if Fournette plays. If he if he plays, you know, Belichick's going to scheme to take him out. If not, he'll probably, uh, you know, like you said, maybe scheme to take Colin Westbrook out. But, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. Fournette could be interesting, but I just, uh, hamstrings scare me too much, I think. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in lockstep with you. Last uh, last game on the uh, on the Sunday main slate is the uh, the Raiders who we talked about earlier that really you know kind of laid the egg against the Rams in the second half going to Denver Denver's fared by five and a half they are at home uh, over under a forty six uh, Marshawn Lynch was really bad last year against Denver he had uh, twenty six carries for sixty seven yards in one game nine carries for twelve yards in the other he's dealing with a little bit of a shoulder injury. Uh, The interesting guy in the Raiders' offense was Jared Cook. 12 targets week one. They just kept feeding him. He was kind of the guy. They weren't throwing the ball to Amari Cooper. No other receivers really stepping up. It was a lot of Cook in the second half. Kind of interesting just because, uh, you know, Seattle had a no-name tight end last week. Just killed Denver for over 100 yards. Uh, Are you you going back to Jared Cook at all at 5,000 on FanDuel? I mean, the Will Disley thing was a pretty nice surprise (laughs) in week one. I was even more surprised that Cook was heavily involved because it came at the expense of Amari Cooper and, and Jordy Nelson, those guys were both very quiet in the opener. I'm not going back to Cook. I know it's cheap. It's easy to do it, and it's not going to hurt you if you uh, you pay up and he has a quiet game even. You can make up that production and still cash in tournaments potentially. But I think if I'm doing anything with the Raiders, it's Amari Cooper at 6,600. And even that, I think I'm taking more of the wait-and-see approach with this Raiders offense. I uh, kind of want to see what the next couple weeks bring for Derek Carr, he's a little bit banged up coming out of that opener too. So, you know, I think he's like practicing or wasn't listening on the injury report, but general soreness is what they were saying he had coming out of that game. Yeah. I just, I'm not really a believer in him. I, I, I want a reason to believe in the Oakland offense before I invest. I had general soreness watching him throw interceptions with no receivers within 15 yards. I, yeah, I don't blame you. I, I, I went to sleep. <laughs> smart call uh the denver offense is actually really intriguing to me i was surprised with you know how open they were with the offense case keenum just locked in on emmanuel sanders and demarius thomas he had uh, 11 targets for sanders 10 for demarius thomas 
you know, he had 320 yards, three touchdowns. He did throw three picks, but, you know, in fantasy, I don't think we really care about that too much, especially in DFS. You know, season long, you lose some points for that. But if they're going to sling it around that much, uh, I like them going against the Raiders. I think Case Keenum's kind of an interesting under-the-radar play this week that might, uh, with with Mahomes and, uh, and uh, Ben Roethlisberger getting a lot of ownership, I wonder if Keenum slides through and could be a really interesting tournament play. And you could pair him with Sanders or Thomas pretty affordably and, and with that have extra money to pay up maybe for some top running backs. So I do like the the angle here. I don't think the Raiders are good. I don't think the John Gruden thing is going to work. I don't think I'm alone in thinking that. And I'm nope. surprised that Denver's offense isn't priced up more. Uh, if you say, you know what, they're going to be up, they're going to be running the ball a lot. Royce Freeman is 4,300. I know Philip Lindsay had the bigger Oof. game last week, but the usage was pretty similar, right? So. Yes. I don't really, I don't really see Philip Lindsay as a, a real like ongoing threat to Royce Freeman. I see Freeman as the better back in the Denver backfield. Love the discount you're getting on him this week. Yeah, I mean, he still had 15 carries last week, so he was still really involved. Uh, I think Freeman's interesting too. He's six thousand on on, dra- on Fanduel, so he is a little bit higher priced there. But you know, I think you're going to get a super low percentage on Freeman, maybe the lowest percentage he'll be all year against a defense that doesn't scare me with a really good game script. If they take uh, they take the lead, which I think they will. Uh, he could be an interesting second half guy. They really, they really kind of lean on. Yeah, I could see Freeman being a guy that's like fifty five hundred on DraftKings a week from now, being among the biggest price surgers between week two and week three. Yeah, I like uh, I like that play too. And we mentioned uh, you know pairing Keenan with a receiver. If I'm going to do it, I think I'm going to do it with uh, Demarius Thomas. He's a little more expensive than Sanders. I think Sanders will be way more popular. Uh, you know, he caught ten balls, but they both had the same number of targets. I think if you're going to go in a tournament, I think Thomas is a, is a is a better way to go. I think he'll be way lower owned and a little bit of higher price. If I'm going to pair someone with Keenum, it's going to be DT for me. Yeah, I like that too. Uh, he's cheaper on DraftKings than Sanders, but yeah, it's they're, okay. kind of, they're kind of funny. They're flipped, but I'd still play Thomas on DraftKings as well at 5600. I I like that price a ton. No reservations at all. I think the difference between Thomas and Sanders is is minimal. I, I actually still expect Thomas to be the slightly more productive player over the course of this season. Uh, but both may have been underdrafted in season-long leagues, and both are underpriced right now in DFS. If I'm uh, if I'm going away from one of the LA defenses, we talked about the Chargers and the Rams. I do like the Denver defense. They had six sacks last week and three turnovers against Seattle. Who's you know you know Russell Wilson's a good quarterback. You know obviously they're not the same team they were, but they they really looked good, especially at home. Uh, Von Miller looked like he was hair on fire. He was everywhere. Uh, Oakland are really vulnerable to turnovers against the Rams. Carr was throwing the ball all over the yard. I mean, you know, especially when there weren't guys close by. I think if you want to uh, if you want to avoid the the Chargers who would be the highest percentage, the Rams might be second highest. I think Denver at forty five hundred maybe slips in a little bit lower than they should be. Um, an interesting uh, kind of a pivot from those two LA defenses. Yeah, they would they'd kind of be a top three, top four defense for me. So I'm I'm yeah. with you on the Broncos as well. I think especially at home that is a nasty defense. They can rush the passer effectively. Von Miller being completely healthy right now is huge for them. And the secondary is still good enough to uh, to pick up those turnovers. And we know Derek Carr is good enough to make terrible decisions and, and kind of <laughs> prop up a defense a little bit too. Yeah, no, no doubt there. I think I'm going to be uh, I think I'm going to be uh, overweight on the Denver D. I really like them to make some plays this week. Uh, we don't really hit the Sunday night game. It's not on the main slate uh, on either side. But is there anybody in the uh, the Giants Dallas game that if you do play the full slate 
on Sunday that uh, really jumps out to you. Obviously, Odell Beckham looked really good against Jacksonville, but you know Eli Manning missed him on a couple times. It should have been touchdowns. I was a little frustrated with that. He had, he had one ball where he just, if he just leads him to the left, it's an easy touchdown. He threw it over his head. Uh, but I thought Beckham looked great. I thought Sterling Shepard looked good. I think that we talked about last week that Evan Ingram's going to lose a lot of targets with those two guys healthy. That definitely happened. Um, anybody that uh, you're really jumping out to the to this game? Anything that uh, you want to talk about in uh, the Giants in Dallas? Uh, nothing. Nothing crazy. I mean, Barkley looked good on that longer run, kind of got bottled up oh, by yeah. the Jags last week. I think he'll look a lot better. Yeah, I mean, no hesitation with Barkley at all going up against Dallas. Uh, you know, I I, I want to see – here's what I want to see. I want to see Dallas figure something out through the air because they were horrendous at throwing the ball in their opener. Yes. And a lot of people are you're ripping on Dak, but I tell you what, he has nobody to throw the ball to right now. No, it's it's one of the worst wide receiver groups we've seen in the last 10 years. Yeah, I mean, when Alan Hearns is your number one, and he's had some moments with Jacksonville where he was pretty good, and Michael Gallup has a little bit of promise, but you know, right now with where they are, with with Hearns is one and Gallup kind of there, I mean, it's just there's nothing there. Cole Beasley is probably their best receiver right now, but he's an underneath guy. You know, he had, I think he had eight catches last week. But um, what do you think about Ezekiel Elliott, kind of as a fantasy guy going forward? Are you, are you worried with uh, with how bad their pass offense is, and he's just going to stack the crap out of the box every week? Yeah, I mean, he saw a lot of that last year, and I think that's what dragged the efficiency down. And the way my draft slots worked, I didn't end up with Zeke anywhere this year. I, I, I thought the volume would go up, you know, just by not having a suspension and everything. And Maybe he'd still be a little more effective as a pass catcher and make up some ground there. But I had some concerns about the Dallas offense coming into the season, and I think they've been warranted. Absolutely agreed there. Anybody else uh, you want to talk about? We've gone a little bit long here, but I think we, uh, we covered the games pretty well. Anybody else you want to talk about? Any other uh, plays that we haven't mentioned that you uh, pop in your head? Not at this point. So if, if, I, if I missed any, I'll fire them out there on Twitter at Derek Van Riper. Beautiful. And I am at Scott Jenstead. Uh, thanks again for listening to the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast for week two. We do appreciate that. Again, follow us on Twitter. Here's some questions there. Anything you want us to uh, address with the podcast moving forward? Any ideas, comments? We would love to uh, hear those. Again, if you could please rate and review the podcast, we'd greatly appreciate that too. Other than that, I hope everybody has a great week too. Hopefully we get some good games. That that, uh, that Chiefs-Steelers game and the, and the Patriots-Jags game should be a lot of fun. So hopefully you have a good football weekend. Hope everybody takes care.